I spent most of that day completely rattled, absolutely completely rattled. Then you float to the next day and we sell a $6.5 million house after you know 10 days of negotiation. The ups and downs in what I guess most real estate agents or most people in life have, I guess makes the, the bad makes the good. So if you don't go through the shit, so to speak, the good isn't as good. And that's what I keep telling myself, especially when I have bad moments as everyone does. I just keep thinking, well, the sun will come up and the good is around the corner. And if you don't have really bad moments, you're not gonna have really good moments. I'm Ren McDonald, and this is The Hope Initiative, a show dedicated to learning about humans on planet Earth, where I speak with everyday people to find moments of success and struggle in their life to help inspire hope in yours. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Hope Initiative. My name is Rin MacDonald. Thank you so much for being here and coming back if it's not your first time listening to my voice. For today's episode, number 53 with James Hallahan. I was made aware of James and his story from a friend of mine, Alex, who told me about a guy who had done his ACL and come back after nine weeks of recovery, which for anyone who doesn't know is quite extreme. Usually an ACL can last anywhere from 8 to 12 months, if not longer. But I got in touch with James through his company that he now works at, White Fox Real Estate, and he welcomed me into the office in Paran a couple of weeks ago now before the lockdowns. And yeah, we had a chat about his life, how he got over that ACL injury, and a host of other things. He's someone who was close to making an AFL list, has now crafted a job in an industry which he really enjoys in terms of meeting new people and getting out there and having genuine conversations just like this one. So without further ado, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with James Hallahan. James Hallahan, welcome to the Hope Initiative. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, It's exciting. It is, it is. Thank you for having me in your workspace today here in White Fox in Paran. Yes, correct. Very yeah. nice of you to invite me in to Pleasure. the office. That's good. Really good brand. Uh, I've sort of followed the, the company for a few months on social media, started working myself more in the property market and the White Fox brand was something that stood out to me amongst others. But the reason I got onto you, because we complete strangers before tonight, mm-hmm. We chatted a bit before we started recording about that, as you do. But a few years ago, might might not have been a few years ago, might have been last year, my best mate who plays footy himself, Alex Maloney, who's been on the podcast, get your mates on the podcast early (laughs) days, he mentioned that there was a guy playing, he he didn't tell me the full story, but it was like, there's this bloke who's done his ACL and he's back within weeks and he's playing in the grand final. And I was just like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's, that's got to be impossible. And you're that guy. Yeah. And when I was looking at the White Fox website, your name stood out and I didn't know where it was from. And I just happened to message Alex and he was like, yeah, James Hallahan. And I was like, oh, shit. So that's how it clicked. That's how that's it clicked. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he must have told me yeah. your name. And it's you know, just, yeah, it's dark. Back You've then. seen it. Exactly. And there you go. I reached out to you probably four weeks later mm-hmm. and here we are. Yeah. So, that's yeah. exciting. Appreciate no, very it. Very good. Yeah. yeah, 
So now, in keeping sort of with the theme of being total strangers, yep. there's a little bit I know about you from from stuff from from some stuff online, but I'd like you to start by just telling me what a typical day for you looks like, yep. in say in your past few few weeks. Obviously, we're in the midst of a global pandemic, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, yeah, what's a typical day for James Hallahan look like? Very different, I think, day to day. I try and start my days like most people do. I go to the gym, but gyms have only just opened up this right. week, so. What are we now? We're, we're June 25, 26, so they opened up on Monday. So I try and get in the gym, you know, 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning just to start the day right. Yep. Generally in the office, 8 o'clock, and, you know, within real estate you can have busy days, you can have slow days, so it really does depend. But what you'd want is you're probably meeting buyers and sellers all day and trying to put together deals, essentially, is, is, and that's what we get paid for. Yep. On a Tuesday and Thursday, I have footy training um, in, the, in the evenings, which makes it a bit difficult. I, I played down in Sorrento as yep. well. So travelling from Melbourne down to Sorrento on a Tuesday and Thursday night to, to train for footy puts, puts a bit of a toll, I guess, I bet. on the driving. But yep. it's an easy way to either A, catch up with friends on the phone or talk to clients, buyers, whatever it is. So you can yep. sort of see there's a bit of a positive. Yeah, yeah, cool. And that's sort of Tuesday, Thursday. Yep. Obviously, we're not playing matches no, right now. But no, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, Monday's a really busy day for us. We have a lot of company meetings in the morning. So, you know, from 8 until 10.30, we go over the week that was within yep. White Fox. And then it's a, just essentially about what we need to focus on as sales agents, which is look after buyers, find sellers, and try and mesh them together to create, you know, deals, which is how we then get paid and remunerated. Yeah, yeah. So it just goes into that. It's just conversations and conversations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you said before, like I'll get, you know, pre-game nerves before a podcast, which yeah. I think is a good thing. Yeah. You know, if you weren't nervous, you're sort of in a comfort zone then. Exactly. So I enjoy that. But you do mention that you sort of, that is your everyday, talking yeah. to strangers, which is, is cool, I think. Well, that's what right. it is. Exactly right. For, for yeah. us to do what we do, we're going into strangers' homes, mm. trying to make a really quick connection to get on the same page and to potentially either A, list their property, or B, get them to buy a property. So yeah. that, that connection and finding a common ground is something that we have to do really super quick. And if we don't, it just it just burns a deal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You still get nervous, though. No, no, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure, and things would yeah, go, yeah, go yeah. wrong and you've got to think for on sure. your feet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. nice. All good skills to have. So that's your current life. Yep. Talk to me about how you feel your life has turned out differently than what you thought maybe when you were growing up? Mm -hmm. I grew up on the Mornington Peninsula, so in Blegari, Sorrento. So for people that don't know, it's a little seaside town, very small community. So it's almost like everyone knows everyone. Whenever I'm back there, you can sort of pick people out in the street, whatever it is, say g'day. So everyone knows everyone. Yeah. And when you're a part of that footballing community or a sporting community down there, even more so. So it's, it, it's like everyone is either your friend or whatever it is. Went to school down there, grew up and just loved football. My, me and my brother, um, we're 18 months apart, pretty much best mates. Mitch is his name, who was lucky enough to play AFL. Yeah. So we just played juniors, junior footy down in Sorrento, you know, from the age of eight through to whatever it is, 16, 17. Yeah. And our single goal, I guess, was to make it in the AFL, and that's mm. all we wanted to do. Our old man, he was a very, very good footballer but cut down by injury um, yeah. at sort of 1920 yeah. and just one of the best three sons, and that's he, he, and our parents would provide that for us. And what we wanted to do in terms of make AFL was, I guess, A, to make them happy, but B, to just achieve this goal as a family unit to try and get there. Yeah. Mitch was lucky enough to make it. Um, he got, he was, I think, a second-round draft pick in 2010, 
my draft year 2009 I missed out I'd spoken to I think five or six clubs gone as far as two clubs promised me one in the national draft and another one in the rookie draft had said, yep, we're taking you with, Who are the clubs? with this pick. Who are the clubs? <laughs> I don't know, should we name them? Yeah, yeah. Name one of them was North Melbourne. <laughs> okay. One of them was North Melbourne. Another one was Richmond. So okay. both had said, yep, yep. Um, didn't eventuate. Right. And, but you hear so many stories of that. And mm. it's when you're a kid, I guess, when you're 17 or 18, you take it to heart. But when you grow up and realise that they're probably saying this to a lot of people. Right. It's, it's, it's not that big a deal in hindsight. But at the time, that was my world crushed, gone. Yeah, wow. I haven't made AFL, what do I do now? I was, I was a smart-ish student, um, yeah. but didn't concentrate a lot in school. So therefore, off my grades, didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, went to uni for a week after that. <laughs> uh, I, I got into a, a business management, sport management okay. um, course. Lasted a week, gone. So did, you, did you know why you got into that? Or was it just like, I'm just going to jump into this because it's sport? yeah, sports? Yeah. Sports management. If I wasn't playing footy, I wanted to be around it in, in some aspect. So yeah. that's the one I accepted, went to, lasted a week, gone. Sure. So, wow. <laughs> and it was, just, it was just this cycle of what do I do? Um, went down to Sandringham in the VFL and spent three years there and had two very, very good years, I guess. Yep. Got quite close to being picked up again um, by St Kilda, who was the affiliate club, and Essendon. Yep. Once again, didn't happen. Yep. I got to the end of, it, I think, 2012, I was 21, and hated football. Wow. It was just, my love growing up was now something that I just... Caused you so much yeah, pain. Yeah, and I just... Yep. Didn't know what I wanted to do with my life as well. I'd spent all my time trying to make it. Mm. Didn't make it. What do I do? And it wasn't for if it wasn't for a really good mate of mine now, Troy Schwartz, who was the coach of the Sereno Football Club, calling me and saying, "Why don't you just come back to Sereno, have a kick with your mates? Who, who knows where life might take you after that? Just get back to enjoying footy, which will help you enjoy life." And yeah. that, I guess, was almost the instance of. Self-discovery, I guess, of, of who I am and, and, and what I want to do because I was a very lost person at 21. Yeah, right. Was that the same year so you didn't make it or get picked up by the yeah. Saints or Essendon? Correct, yeah. And then that same year you went back to, to Sorrento? Correct, yeah, right. yeah, which was yeah, 2013. Okay. So, yeah, so I was 22 going back there. Yeah. So I played VFL 19, 2021 and then went back to Sorrento at 22. Yeah, and right. I guess reconnected with a lot of childhood mates who I, I guess, had fallen away from. Look, I, I didn't really socialise a lot through those years. Yeah. I was just hell-bent on one goal that didn't eventuate. So it yeah. was actually reconnecting with these guys right. um, and, and building those relationship, relationships again. Yeah, wow. So to define your life then as a footballer, yeah. as a teenager, yeah. obviously can be quite an uplifting thing. Yeah. But then, yeah, if that goal doesn't come to fruition... It's like, as you sort of say, yeah. earth crushing. Oh, um, yeah, exactly. And, and seeing my brother make it, I guess, I, I saw the other side of it. Yeah, right. And I was so bloody happy for him. Never once was I jealous or, you know, poor me. It was always, how good is that? That at wow. least one of us has made it. It was incredible. But to actually see that side of it and then me also not make it, it's like, oh, well, what am I going to do? Yeah. It's interesting. I can't help but feel if I was trying to become, say, a pro soccer player and I had a really close mate or a brother yeah. I can't feel I kind of feel like I would have a bit of jealousy can you talk about maybe how like recall that moment because I think he got drafted first to Hawthorne yeah. right your brother yeah 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 Mitch. you're right yeah 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 so 
he gets drafted to Hawthorne, would have been, I think you said, 2010 or 2011? Yeah, so he was, yeah, 2010 he was drafted. So I'd just finished yeah. my first year of VFL. He'd finished his top age years or his 18-year-old year at, um, in the TAC Cup. Yeah. And that's when he was drafted, yeah. Right. So how do you think your mentality around that was formed in terms of you didn't have any jealousy? Was that your parents? Was it... Growing yeah. up with a good, tight-knit group of mates, like, what do you think I think it was, it was your parents. Look, we, we have a really close family. Um, yeah. I've got... Um, I'm the eldest. Yeah. So I've got... Right now, I'm 29. I've got a 28-year-old brother being Mitch. or well, he's actually 27, turning 28. Yeah. Um, Maddie, who is... She's my 25-year-old sister. Yeah, 25. And then I've also got a 20-year-old sister. Yeah. So I'm the eldest out of that. And we were just very, very tight-knit growing up, especially Mitch and myself. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, 18 months apart... Love footy, essentially yeah. just love the same things in life. Just ragdoll each other out exactly. on the park. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, now we are, we're essentially best mates, but growing up we were as well. We were competitive, but we also wanted the best for each other. So it's it was awesome. once he made it, it's, it was so exciting. Great. Sort of live vicariously through that experience, would you say, or no? Not really, no. Well, I, I tried to remove myself from it yeah. because I just wanted him to enjoy it. And sure. I knew the pain of not making it. Yeah. So the fact that he made it, yeah, I was over the moon. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm. And so then coming back again to when you went down to Sorrento, was it Troy Schwartz? Yeah, you Troy said? Schwartz. Yep. So yep. see the coach down there. Yeah. At the time? So he played eighty games at St Kilda, yeah. and then yeah, he he moved down there to coach or playing coach. Yeah. And quite close with him while I was, I guess, 15, 16, 17, 18. He he was quite a good mentor to me. And then I guess that developed into a really good friendship and it was just through his phone call to say, just come down, have a run with your mates. Yeah. Let's see if we can A, make you love the game again and B, you know, you might find that purpose in life. You'll meet people that will, I guess, branch out and yeah. you'll be able to find out what you want to do. Yeah, nice. And then how long did it take for you to get back to loving football? Because you said you hated it. Yeah. After five, that? Five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes. <laughs> yeah, that first training session just... Right. and. It took me a long time to actually go to it. Um, so I think we start training in October, November. I didn't go till January or February. Right. I just didn't want a bar of it. And the minute I went down, it just went through my mind going, why wouldn't you? Right. Like just to be around a really, really good group of guys, which I'm sure all local community sport is, but just to be around a really good group of guys, tight-knit group, who was who, they were very successful. They just won three premierships in a row. Wow. So to get involved in that, it was just like, well... In unreal yeah. culture. Your home. Yeah, yeah sure. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. That is, that's cool. so five minutes. What do yeah. you, obviously we can talk about, you know, an elite sport, an elite sporting environment. Yeah. Having a lot of pressure and yeah. players trying to make a grade. Yeah. Maybe not getting along as much as that level. Mm -hmm. But what do you think it was? Like, what was the difference for you if you, you know, didn't enjoy that level and hated it? Was yeah. it solely missing out on making the grade for AFL or was it? I think fact. it was the fact that there was no culture. You mentioned it before. There, there's no culture yeah. at well at the club I was at. There was there was no culture at that point in time. Sure. Um, it was an affiliate club to St Kilda. Yeah. So it was all about, I guess, making players better. Sure. Getting St Kilda players ready to play AFL. Yeah. And any young guy in there was essentially just trying to make the grade themselves. Right. So it was a very insular type of team. Mm. Relationships, I, I made a lot of good mates out of it, but it didn't have the same feeling where you go back to a local club like where I am at Sorrento and it's a community sport. You've got volunteers who have been at the club for 50 years. You've got players who just live and breathe that football club who want to make it successful. 
just a very, very different feeling. Everyone's striving for that one goal and everyone's playing because they love the game and they love the club. That's awesome. Mm. So that first year you were back at Sorrento, mm-hmm. how'd that go? You loved it after five minutes? Yeah, loved it after five minutes. Still probably my best year of football I've ever played. Yeah. Um, became such good friends with a lot of people within that club who are now still my best mates. Yeah. We went through the season undefeated, which was unbelievable. Yeah. Lost the first semi-final by a kick. <laughs> and then lost a grand final by 85 points. Whoa. <laughs> so, it was like, it was like, oh. so as I mentioned previously, Serena won three in a row. Yeah. And then we go into this grand final. I'm thinking, you know, I've, I've walked into a ridiculous side. Yeah. We've gone through undefeated, we'll win the flag, and yeah, we got absolutely belted. Wow. Which was really hard. <laughs> really hard. I bet. And you're obviously young then as well, early 20s. Yeah, 22. Yeah, it was like 22. Yeah. Mm. Now, you have lost and won a few grand finals since then, which we can maybe come to talk about. <laughs> I've lost three now. Lost three. Lost three okay. and won two. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, not good. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, yeah. you, you say there you'd. Walked into a side and won three in a row. Yep. You can reflect, obviously, now, and I believe you're the captain of, yeah, of, the, of yeah. the club so now. I took over captaincy the next year, so 2014. Oh, wow. So I was a vice captain, and the guy who was captain, um, he was named captain in 2014, yep. club legend, but he'd come off two knee reconstructions. So this is funny. Wow. Well, it's not funny, but it's funny. Ironic, yeah. For the story we'll then get to. Um, he did his third knee in round two, and yes. he was done. He was yep. done, and... I essentially just took over the role, walked into the role, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, I'm still captain now. Yeah, right. So talking on, yeah, grand finals, if you walked into that one thinking, and maybe you didn't because I know as playing sport, you know, you can't take any team lightly, yeah. but there is always that thing if you've won three in a row, yeah. you've gone undefeated all year, yeah. you know, I've only lost one game by a kick, you're surely not, not expecting to be beaten. You want to go <laughs> in positively. Yeah. But as someone who's now won and lost... Mm. More grand finals since. Mm. What's maybe your advice to to any sports people, or especially younger players going into going into matches? Like, how how do you treat it, especially as yeah. a captain now? Anything can happen, and that's that's as simple as it is. Like um, the two grand final, two out of the three grand finals we've lost, we probably shouldn't have lost. Like we were favourites, we were the best side throughout the year, yeah. and on that final day, you trip up. Right. So I just think a grand final is a completely different ball game to a regular season game or even any right. other final yep. but yeah that was going into that was I was confident mm. but to lose by 80 points I was shocked it was out it was just stupid outrageous yeah 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 that's tough <laughs> it was tough <laughs> so baptism of fire you yeah know what I mean? like Brought undefeated in. love the club and then we go in and just get whitewashed yeah, yeah. we don't have uh, finals in soccer I've talked a little yeah. bit about this if people have Listen to a few episodes. Yeah. I'm um, vice president of my soccer club and, yeah. and vice vice captain uh, Whitehorse United. Yeah. So we're yeah. in Vermont. Yeah. I've played there since I was nine. Yeah. But yeah, don't get grand finals. But certainly have had big games. Have had mm-hmm. games where we had to to win to to not get relegated. Um, yeah. Been yeah. relegated once or twice, I think. Um, never been promoted myself. But 2017, the club did, and I was injured through most of that year uh, with a bit of a hip, or not oh. a bit, a, a big hip problem. Yeah. So I know what it can be like to miss. You know, sport through through injury. Mm. I want to ask you, you know, about your injury. I mentioned at the top. That's sort of how I, I came to contact you. Mm-hmm. Talk me through the injury, if you yeah. don't mind the the ACL. Yeah. How did it happen the first time? For sure. Or, yeah, I'm very lucky in that I've never ever been injured. Um, 
I've missed maybe in my whole career, I've maybe missed three games through injury total. So I always used to joke to a lot of mates that I'll do a knee this year. I'll do a knee this year. I'll do a knee this year. I've been I've been too lucky. I'll do a knee, and that's all tongue in tongue in cheek. <laughs> then we get to wow. I think it was Queen's birthday in last year, which was twenty nineteen. I was having an okay year or a good year. The team was having a good year, yep. and it just seemed like we would just be cruising along. We're probably going to finish top two or three, um, and potentially playing another grand final. Now yep. those two came to fruition, and we did. Yeah, but yeah, I was. It might have been. I was actually watching the footage today, preparing for this, just so I could remember it. Yeah. It was maybe five minutes in. It was a it was a grand final rematch. It was the first time we played the Pines, who beat us in the two thousand and eighteen grand final by a point, which they kicked after the siren. Oh, they kicked a point, or they they kicked a point after the siren to win it. Yeah. Oh my Some goodness. call it some one of the best games of local footy people have ever seen. Like it was, it was wow. unbelievable. Would that have gone? Sorry to interject. Would no, that no, have gone like extra time? Or would you have played extra next time, week? Extra, extra time. time. Wow. And I think every player on that field didn't want that to happen. Oh, that every like it, it was one of the most hotly contested games I've ever been a part of. Yeah. Um, the week leading up to it was highly emotional for a few reasons as well. So everyone was spent, and when the siren went, I think if we had gone extra time, like I, I wish it had of now because yeah. we lost, but yeah. everyone was just that they were dead. They were yeah. out on their feet. Why can I jump in yeah, again? Yeah, yeah. Why was it extra extra yeah, emotional? There was so we played the Pines in a in a semi final, yeah. which we play a top five. Yeah. So the semi final is to get into the grand final. So right. the winner gets into the grand final. The loser plays in a preliminary final the next week to then get into the grand final. Sure. So we played the Pines in a semi-final. They beat us by two kicks. But there was an incident in the game where one of the Pines players appeared to do something that was probably not within the rules. Um, He got suspended for the grand final, but it was overturned and he played in the grand final. So it was overturned on the Friday night before the grand final. What? And overturned. So... Pines and Sorrento developed this incredible rivalry to the point where Sorrento supporters were told they're only allowed on one side of the ground. Pines supporters were told they're allowed on the other side of the ground. Our change rooms were split up. Our benches were on opposite sides of the ground because people were so scared that this was going to boil over yeah. into something that obviously wouldn't have been good wow. for you know, grand final. And to have, I think there was eleven or 12,000 at this grand final, which is Jeez. stupid yeah. for a local game of footy. But just because of the... It was big on social media, this, right. this incident, and then what happened. Okay. And I'm, it, it was just highly, highly charged. We had a lot of young guys playing on our side, as yeah. did the Pines probably. People were on edge, and I just never experienced anything like it in a lead-up to a game of footy, which, wow. in hindsight, you reflect on it, and it's... It, it makes it that much better. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Sorry, so I jumped in That's a couple of right. times there, but <laughs> yeah, you, like you were saying, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where were we? It yeah, was, no, no stress. So I don't remember where we were. That's fine, <laughs> totally fine. So we were talking the about the, the grand final, yeah. and I think when you, yes. Yeah. So but also when, when you'd done your knee, so yeah. If yeah, that's yeah, so that's what it was. It was a grand final rematch, Queen's birthday. Um, so yeah, it, was, it was five minutes into the game, probably the biggest game of the year, and... I ran over the ball, or yeah. I got pushed over the ball. N- nothing bad, nothing happened in that. But as I planted my right knee to turn back, it just gave way on me. Wow. And straight away, I knew, gone, gone. Because you, you hear of people when they do their knees and how they explain it, mm. and that's the exact thing that I felt. It was a very, very sharp pain for probably five seconds, mm. and then nothing. So I just knew I'd done it. I jumped up, hobbled off. The docs and physio were looking at it, thinking... 
you might have got away with it. You know, it might be something else. And yeah. all I'm doing in my mind is going, no, it's done, it's done. But because we were five minutes in, I wanted to somehow at least help play. I got them to strap it up so it couldn't move, and I went back out there, and I was no good. Like, How long did you last out on the ground? Uh, a quarter. A but, quarter. But, but that's did, huge. But didn't do anything. I went like I'm a midfielder, and, and I went and sat at full forward. Yeah. And we've got one of the best full forwards in the league, Lee Bahulkis, his name. And all I would have done is just gotten his way. Gotten his way. So he's one of my best mates, but I would have just gotten his way. But it was more just to see if I could help, obviously, with the road, because we've got four on the bench, try and help with the rotations and just stay out there yeah. and do something. But every time I went to change direction, it just gave way. I'd fall wow. over, pain, get up and try and do it again. So wasn't good. So I, I came off just before <sighs> I just pulled the pin just before half time. Do you think that damaged it even further? Like, do you think no. that was no, no? At the time, I did think that, but mm. just from what I felt, I knew. I get. I, I just felt that I'd, I'd ruptured it. So rather than, you know, a lot of people tear them, which whereby you've still got some connected, some of the ACL connected, yeah. and other people rupture them. So what mine was then diagnosed as was a full rupture. So therefore, no ACL. The ACL wasn't intact. Yeah. So that's what it actually felt like when I did it, but who's to know? Yeah, <laughs> so not to know that. No, yeah, because no. when in I first hindsight, it's, it, it was probably better. But sorry, go. No, no, that's fine. I just yeah recall when I sort of had my hip injury just before that. I mm. had an injury where a guy ran through my knee. I was in the penalty box and yeah. just defender ran through. I put myself between him and the ball. Yeah, like a lot of pain. Didn't do yeah. my my ACL or anything, yeah. but decided to play on for five minutes. And within five minutes, like my knee was blowing up from oh, swelling. Yeah. So shouldn't have done that. No. And my mentality wasn't, you know, there's no rotations in soccer. Yeah. Once you're off, you know, yeah, the guy comes yeah. on. But I was like, don't be a soft soccer player, yeah. Yeah. which is a stupid thing to do <laughs> because that's just other people's, not a lot of people's opinions, yeah. but some. But yeah. I now know, like, just don't do that. Like, yeah. if you're in pain. Exactly. It's, exactly. It's the better thing just to, yeah. to go off. Yeah. So, And that was a funny thing with mine. Like mine didn't swell up. Yeah. Like the, when, when I did it that day, it did not swell up. And that's sure. why the docs and the physios actually thought, well, you might have got away with it. So be, just because it's not blowing up, it's not swelling up. And, like, even post-game, it, it just – it was hardly any swelling in it, which, which they were surprised at. Yeah. So that's why they thought, oh, you might have got – benefit of the doubt there yeah, yeah but i actually think i did it the week before like i i got tackled while kicking the ball a week before week before the yeah, queen's birthday yeah, and, and hyper extended it okay um so not ruptured i reckon i might have nicked it in that game or weakened it um because i've, I've never had an issue so and and this movement that i did to hurt it mm. you do 100 times a game right so it wasn't anything out of the ordinary so yep. i just remember an incident the week before where i got tackled while kicking hyper extended it yeah a little bit of pain didn't didn't stop me playing or stop me moving at all, but I just think I've I've done something to it at that point that you know the following game when I've got to do that movement it just it just gave way. Jeez, fun times. Yeah. <laughs> so you've lasted a quarter when yeah. you do it. You, you, yeah. you come off for the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah. I just put. I, I couldn't move. Right. Like, as much as I tried to. Yeah. I was hobbling. I couldn't change direction. So. There's no point being out. I couldn't jump. Right. So I, I wasn't much help to anyone, really. Sure. So that's about this time last year. Yeah. June. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Queen's Early birthday. June, it would have yeah. been like the 10th of June or something like that. Yeah. Right. So did you get a scan, say, on the Monday or the week went, after? Yeah, I went and got a scan. I think it was a Tuesday or Wednesday. I went and got a scan. Yeah. And it came back on the Thursday. Yep. Full rupture of the ACL. Wow. Go in for surgery. And, and what was the like the timeline that they gave you? For anyone who's not aware of how long that might take. Into the timeline of getting the surgery or the time of being back playing for Being you. back playing. They, reckon they thought to go and get... Like, obviously, 
with a ruptured ACL, 99% of people go and get uh, reconstruction on your knee. So they said if you do everything right, you'll play round one the following year. So okay. call it, what's that, eight months, eight, nine months. So right. round one is late March. Okay. So they said, but they said everything has to go right. You can't have complications in your <laughs> surgery, in your rehab. And yeah. Things must have gone right. They did. Because how, how quickly were you back? <laughs> I, I, I think I got back in 62 days, which was, I think, I'm just trying to think. I think it was round 10 I did it, and I played, my first game was the last round of the season, which was round 18, but there was a couple of buys in there. Right. So but that's nine, nine weeks. weeks. Nine weeks. Nine yeah, weeks. Back. Yeah. Like, that yeah. sounds outrageous. Yeah. What what were you doing? What were you having like comfrey on your leg, <laughs> ice baths, <laughs> buddy? I don't know. I can yeah. talk through what I've done to help yeah. injuries, but I can't yeah. imagine. So there was two things. Like I'm, and this will, this is stupid, but I'm petrified <laughs> of needles and surgery. Okay, so not stupid. No. Just you know, <laughs> fierce. It's fine. But, but when you do something like that, you've got to get surgery. So all I thought in my mind is, has anyone done what I've done mm. and not had surgery and got back and played? Right. And I think I spent. I got the scan result back on the Wednesday or Thursday. So I spent the rest of that day at work, yeah. not working. I was just researching, pretty much just Googling, just, you know, quickest ACL recovery. Can you get back from an ACL without surgery? Yeah. Anything you can name of. And I come across a study from an English Premier League player. And I don't think, just from memory, I don't think they name him in it because yeah. of the study. They didn't want, I guess, it getting out. Yeah. He fully ruptured an ACL and got back, I think, between 60 and 70 days. Wow. And they didn't step through the process, but there was essentially just a synopsis and summary of what he did yeah, wow. to get back. So I took that that I guess this this study, so like a template to yeah follow. yeah to about three different physios. Yeah. Two told me I was dreaming. <laughs> Doctors told me I was dreaming. They said just just don't bother. But um, Craig Christie, who is he, he's a physio at Carlton, been around a long time. Mm-hmm. Took it to him. And just sort of asked his opinion. And what he said to me, he goes, yep, you can have a crack. There's absolutely no guarantees. But what it, it, it's going to be a huge amount of work from you to do it and you have to be all in. Mm-hmm. You, you cannot second guess this. You can't put a foot out of place. And you've got to have luck. Because to get because I was only doing it to get back that year. We were on top of the ladder. We lost the previous year by a point. You obviously wanted to avenge that. Right. And... I hadn't won a premiership with my brother since because my brother's now back playing at Sorrento. So right, right. now, you know, the first year was 2018. We lost the grand final, so I wanted to win one with him. Sure. A lot so, of motivating yeah, factors so to get back Yeah, a lot of motivation. Yeah. But like he said, he goes, if you give me 15 or 16 weeks, yep, we can do it. But to get back in eight to nine weeks, because I, I didn't want to come straight into a final either. Sure. I, I needed to play a regular season game to make sure that, A, I'm okay. And the confidence. You probably can't expect to be dropped in, even though you're the club yeah, captain. Like no. it'd be pretty, pretty tough, oh, exactly. especially considering you've oh, done an ACL. Yeah, exactly. It's Wild. It, yeah, it's not coming back from a broken arm or something. Sure. Like it's it's something that yeah. <laughs> not many people can, I guess, just walk straight back in and play footy with. For sure. And I took all that on board and just thought, well, what have I got to lose? If I don't make it, I haven't lost anything because I'm actually not playing this year, and I'll just get the surgery. Whenever I fail, so if we're at week seven or week eight and it's looking like I'm not making it, we'll just get the surgery and I'll start playing halfway through next year. Yeah. I had more to gain than what I had to lose. So, and then that just began just one of the most intense and interesting, I guess, three months of my life. I didn't drink. I didn't go out. 
all I did essentially for three months, I'd, I'd, I'd have, we had this rehab program that was essentially tailored day by day. Mm. So every day I would do something in the morning. Yep. So five, six o'clock in the morning, I'd go to the gym and do gym work, yep. which was progressive over the nine weeks. And then at night I would do, it, it didn't start as running, but it would be movements to get myself back to running. Mm. Then once I started running, just building up what type of different running I did. But every night, essentially, I would check in with Craig, the physio, and just say, all right. So he was helping you with the program? Yeah, yeah, yeah he was in. So I'd, awesome. see him, I'd see him once a week, yeah. but we'd pretty much chat every night and yeah. just give him feedback on you know the morning session in the gym and the afternoon session. So I'd, ju- I'd just hit him up at night and say, this is what I felt here, this is what I felt there. Yeah. And we'd just make sure if something happened... Um, we'd be able to address it. So I think I started running at day 18 after doing it, which was the weirdest feeling in the world because for people who have done an ACL, they know, but there is no stability in your knee. So my knee, when you walk, I guess your knee locks, so mine wouldn't lock, it'd kick back and then it'd kick wow. out to the right. Not not huge amounts, but it, sure. it, it just wouldn't lock. So you had no stability. So And you're trying to run, like what, what does running yeah. look like when you're 18 I, days back from an ACL? That Probably not was, great. It was... It was <laughs> It, it, just imagine a square. It yep. was 50 metres at just the slowest jog you can ever imagine. 10, ten yep. minutes of kilometres. Yep. Yeah, and, and, then, and then walk the next 50. Okay. Jog 50, walk 50. And I might have ran a total of a kilometre. Okay. Like that's it. Wow. But still, that was just that was a box to tick. Yeah. And in the gym, it was very basic. It was, you know, barbell squats. It was single leg deadlifts, calf raises, um, yep. and, and some hip work. It was all just around, I guess, stability. Yeah. Nothing stupid. But then I guess as, as you go along, you start to do different running. So, you know, progress to straight line running, like, yeah. you know, 100, 200 metre straight line running, then slow change of direction, S runs, yeah. um, then Z runs, which is, like you know, you're cutting, I guess, yeah. more of a cutting action. And then slowly introduce your kicking. And, yeah. and that was difficult. Like my knee was in so much pain the first time I kicked that um, I couldn't kick it more than 20 metres, wow. which... I pride myself on being actually a long kick and for me to not get any power was just like, you know, it, it wasn't deflating, but it was like, am I going to run out of time? Right. Do you recall what day you are at when you first kicked? I've got it in my notes if you want me to look. That's all right. Just from memory. If, no, if you can't, no, it's fine. No. I just, yeah. It might have been day 25 or day 30 wow. that we were kicking. So okay. because we just had to expedite everything. <laughs> and, and I had a lot of luck in terms of nothing went wrong until, look, I... I was actually scheduled to play the week before, so that would have been day 55. I was scheduled to play. But in the build-up of the running, I nicked my calf. So I had a calf strain, which set me back, I think, about 10 days of progressive running. And I'd never had a soft tissue injury in my life either. So very lucky again. But I guess that's just one of the things of overcompensation, pushing your body, and your body just probably not reacting the way it should. But... Luckily, we got over that, and I played at day sixty-two. Incredible. Mm. Talk a bit about luck there. Mm. Do you really think it's luck, though? Because you do say as well, I didn't go out for three months. Yeah. I didn't drink. Yeah. Like you're doing all the right things. Is that luck, yeah. or is that literally like doing the right things? Exactly. Yeah. It's and I think you make your own luck, and and that's what it's about. You get lucky by doing the right things. So I just made sure that I guess I didn't leave any stone unturned because if I didn't make it back. I didn't want to think what if. Mm. And that's maybe something I thought when I actually didn't make AFL. I was always thinking, what if I did this? What if I did that? What if I did this? Right. But with this knee, there could be none of that. And I guess I had that motivation of losing a grand final. I wanted to play one with my brother. Um, 
wanted to avenge the previous year's loss. All of that going for me that actually dragged me through as well. Yeah. And on those winter mornings, getting up and going to do the most mundane stuff at the gym you've ever ever experienced. And yeah. then at night, you know, while I'd go to training Tuesday, Thursday, and while all the boys are having fun and kicking footies and running around, I'm doing square runs and mm. slow S runs and Z runs and a couple of 200s wow. when I should be playing. So, But that's what dragged me through. And the support I had from family, from girlfriend, from teammates, everyone, and even random people who, who knew what I was doing because I kept it very much under wraps. So I didn't tell a soul yeah. apart from the footy club and my close family. That was it. That's all it knew yeah. because I didn't want it getting out. Not so much because... I thought I might fail, but I didn't want people knocking my confidence. Yeah, sure. I only wanted people encouraging me because if people were saying you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it, as much as people or as much as everyone says you don't listen to it, it's it, you still hear it. It's tough, and right? I just didn't want to hear it. That's interesting. Mm. Yeah, when I've come back from injuries, like I came back last year, sort of midway through 2019, mm. and yeah long sort of history of hips and I actually saw a guy who's a physio at the AFLW for Carlton. Yep. Um, his name is Mitch Greaves. I went to high school with him. Yep. Really good, really good physio. Helped me get back into playing along with a few other people before that helped me progress to be, being able to see him. Yep. But when I was coming back from injury, I would have people sort of putting that in my, putting that out there in, into sort of my my head sort of mm-hmm. saying oh you know you're an older man now really like you know are you as young and fit as you were you know years ago and i'm the i'm the only 27 but i'm the oldest player at my my club are so really? quite a young yeah. Yeah. quite a young group um and after maybe four weeks of being back in the side i hurt my calf similar to you funnily enough at training just yeah. cold yeah. middle of winter and obviously didn't warm up well enough and you know trying to trying to take off in a game and yeah. hurt myself so missed a week and, you know, oh, calf, that's an old man injury. You know, you have people saying these things. So yes. it's interesting that you say mm. you wanted to keep it under wraps. Mm-hmm. You must have had a really positive group of people around you. Yeah. Can you oh, talk a bit, about, a bit about that? Look, I guess, as I said earlier, the family, very, very close family. And mum's a nurse. The old man's obviously been around injuries and things like that before. Yeah. And I guess when I told them, I probably expected them to say the normal thing of, you're an idiot, why don't you just go and get surgery and do the normal way? But they were so supportive of, I guess, the decision I was thinking of making and then come to make of not getting surgery and just trying to do this, this stupid approach, so to speak, to try and get back. Yeah. And they just and to the point where mum even helped research stuff. And I guess we we found different different ways in terms to potentially manage it if something goes wrong or whatever it is. They were just there one hundred percent of the way. You know, sending videos of my first run into the family WhatsApp group. Um, always checking in wow. and then you have um you know the the football club you know the old the, the, i guess the volunteers or the older crew there in terms yeah. of the people come and watch you every day so down to the players like all of them i remember my first run so the well, first run in front of the group that is so yeah. I, I did a few sessions away from the group yeah just because they fell on different nights to training but my first run on a tuesday night when everyone was there they were warming up and they actually like 50 of them stopped the warm-up and just come and did five minutes of running with me. Wow. Which I hate things being about myself. My mates will probably say I love it being about myself. <laughs> but I don't. I, I genuinely get yeah. <sighs> embarrassed when I guess the attention is on me in that type of way. Mm. And But just to have that support, even though I was a little bit shocked and a little bit embarrassed and thought, what are you all doing? Mm. I guess the kick that that gave me 
none of them would know. It, it just gave me the biggest push to go, well, you're on the right path, just keep going. Yeah. The boys are behind you, your family's behind you. And then my brother, like he, he came to, I would say, 80% of the morning gym sessions I did. Wow. And he hates a gym. Like yeah. he, he's, he, he's a strong, fit bloke, but hates a gym. Hardly ever goes to the gym. But, yeah. you know, for those three months, he was there the majority of those gym sessions, doing his own stuff, but yeah. just so I wasn't there alone. Mm. He'd pick me up. We go to the gym, we grab a coffee, uh, coffee afterwards. Yeah. So just those little things that I probably didn't think of at the time where you can look back on and you go, well, it wasn't just me, it was so many other people pulling me through. Wow, that's epic. Mm. That's really cool. I just want to ask, and maybe you haven't, because you do seem like a very humble guy, mm-hmm. that it's not all about you and yeah. you obviously say that, Yeah. but... Obviously, mates will take the piss out of you as well, yeah, oh, which is what they're great for. They all think I'm either a arrogant or I want it all to be about. Me, <laughs> well, don't get me wrong, guys. I reached is. out to James for the podcast. Yeah. Absolutely, I had to push. They it. will so, well, just because of the media <laughs> coverage I've had on this. I've had probably three or four articles on my knee. Oh wow! I can't wait for them to see this. I'll just go, oh, you idiot! Here's another one. Yeah. I love it. So my question is more around maybe a negative impact. Like, have you ever had, or specifically around this time? Did you have people who were saying, James, you're a fucking lunatic. Like, what are you doing? Stop it yeah. and just do that. And what was your solution to that, if, if yeah. that was a thing? Very lucky. The only, there was two or three people who said you're an idiot for doing it mm. and that was right at the start when I hadn't even decided. Mm. But as brutal as it is, I just cut them out for three months, didn't speak to them, wow. didn't speak to them. I just I, I didn't want to hear it. Mm. So it was just cut contacts talk to did they reach out to you at any point like afterwards i did okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. afterwards i did yeah you know congratulations well done on getting back um i hope it all goes well still probably didn't think it was the right decision because one one of them is a physio as well but sure but i just i as much as i loved him and i and i liked these people i i I just couldn't have the negativity and that sounds really weird but i i just didn't want anyone saying no you can't do it or giving me the wrong energy I don't think it sounds weird at all. I think it's bang on, seriously. Yeah. And I want to ask, because obviously that's in a sporting environment. Yeah. That's to do directly with your knee, with your yeah. body. Do you feel like you can extrapolate that more and apply that to life? And do you already? Like, talk to me about, like, particularly the environment you're in now. Like, yeah. I've followed the founder, Marty Fox, mm. on, on socials for a little bit. Yeah. Followed the page. Like, I followed a few people. Yeah. Seems like a really good environment you're yeah. in now. Yeah. And maybe came about around the same time that this all happened. Yeah. That three-month period of my life has taught me more than anything else. It's taught me that you can, you can get what you want if you want it bad enough. Like, you can just achieve anything, whether it's with your body or whether, it's what, whether you want to do it with a job Whatever it is in your life, you can do it because that was something that, you know, even if I had have asked myself a week before I did my knee, could you come back from that? I'd laugh. <laughs> Being around so many people who had done knees, you'd be like, no way, there, there is no chance. Yeah. So I was probably that, not a negative person, but I was probably in that same boat of why would you not just go and get surgery? So that three months here, as I said, taught me you can achieve things in life, you can overcome so many obstacles, mm-hmm. nothing's really as bad as it seems. They're probably the three biggest keys I took out of that, and that's into getting this job. You know, I, I the first, so I'm like you. I was, I've been in real estate now four years, four and a half years. Yeah. And the minute White Fox opened, I was a fan of them. So I followed Marty. There was a guy here called Ryan Fisher who yep. I followed for a long time, and um, obviously the company page, so White Fox. 
And I just always thought, you know, I love real estate. That would be a dream job. Absolute job. Like a, like a junior footballer, dream is to play AFL. Well, yeah. me in my field, White Fox is just the dream job. Did I ever think I would be working here? No way. But I remember going to a conference late in 2018 and I bumped into Marty in the lift. <laughs> so we stayed at the same hotel. I think I've heard this story, but please really? share it. I think I've, I've watched a few of the YouTube videos yeah, where yeah, they've spoken up, but please yeah, tell yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So he asked you where something was? Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah. I jumped into the lift. So I was dressed to go to this conference where he was speaking at. <laughs> and Real Estate has a really big conference in on the Gold Coast every May, of which I didn't get to. Okay. And I was pissed off because I wanted to see Marty and Ryan Fisher speak. Yeah. Um, so then a guy called Gavin Rubenstein, who yep, is up in Sydney. a yeah, big player in Sydney, he held a conference um, in probably October, actually, October 2018. And the minute Marty was on the bill, I bought a ticket, um, you know, bought a plane ticket as well and grabbed a hotel, yep. which was in Double Bay. So I stayed at this hotel in Double Bay. <laughs> I was dressed at about 6.30, 7 o'clock, all excited, because all I wanted to do was watch Marty speak in person. Yep. Um, jumped into the lift to go and get brekkie and... I'm standing in the lift and in walks Marty. And he, he'd probably think it's quite funny now because we're, we're actually very, very tight mates now. So he's, yes, he's a boss and yes, he's a business owner, but we are very, very close. Yeah. And to even say this is weird to me, but he walked in and I was... And I, and I don't generally get, I guess, starstruck or anything like that. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a type of person who I, I just see people for who they are. They're, they're people. Yeah. And he walked in and I was gobsmacked. I didn't know what to say. I didn't expect it. And I just remember he said to me, he goes, do you know where the gym is, mate? And I'm like, I've got no idea. I think it's up. And it wasn't up. I went right to the top, introduced myself. And I said, man, I can't wait to see you speak tonight. And that was it. Yeah. That's all we spoke. Yeah. Went and watched him speak, obviously. And then uh, that afternoon, got back to the hotel, laid by the pool. Who walks up to the pool? Marty walks into the pool with his um, his wife Charlotte, who is pregnant at this point, yeah. and his mum, and met them. We had a chat, but in no way did I think anything would happen. Right, it was just more. I can't believe I've just bumped into a guy who I followed for so long and who I love his brand and yeah. I love White Fox, and what that eventuated into. You know, October twenty eighteen, I chased him for twelve months for a job. Wow, not hounding, but more just I caught up with him probably two or three more times. The first time I came to this office where we were sitting, which is um, in Paran, he thought I was coming for advice on real estate. And I just remember sitting, he was telling me about a deal he was trying to get done. And he just looked at me and goes, I forgot why we're here. <laughs> and no. I said to him, because he, he legitimately thought I was coming just for advice. And I oh, said, right. look, I'm si- I want a job. I said, I want to work for you. You know, we met in October, of which he remembered, which is cool. Yep. I said, but I want a job. Just tell me what I need to get a job. So... That then began, I think, a process of meeting Lana, who's his operations manager ahead of sales here. Met, had to meet his wife, and then I had to meet, like, yeah, you know, their their operations team. So, incredibly intense process to where I then paid off and got the job, which I think I got it in July, August of 2019, and then started in October. So, so you were mid recovering from the yeah, ACL yeah. when you're going through that process, yeah, or like yeah. at least towards the tail yeah, end. Yeah, exactly right. Wow, trying to get this job. Yeah, and. Awesome, the day awesome work, got, man. Oh, like, was, that's fucking it was awesome. making shit happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, it, but, but it was something that I never thought would happen or eventuate. Sure. You know, I'm from the peninsula. These guys are in Melbourne. Uh, how am I going <laughs> to make slick, this is work? That, is that what you're oh, calling no. us? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I grew up a little bit down Blake yeah. Harry way, yeah. so yeah. No, no, I, know, I know what you mean. Okay. And, and there it was, yeah. So <laughs> right. that was, you know, and during the ACR, that's probably something that helped keep me focused as well because yeah. – 
I'm trying to come back from an ACL, but then I'm also trying to chase this dream job. And the fact that I got it, I was so over the moon. And now sitting here actually saying that, and I'm such good mates with everyone here. But at that point, you know, these guys were, I guess, idols or or people I really looked up to and still do, but really thought if I can work there, that it, it'd just be the dream. And, and it is. Yeah. So other than the brand, which yep. is very strong, yeah, and yep. people should check it out. Yeah, not going to wax lyrical too much, yeah. like a fanboy on <laughs> yeah. the podcast. No, that's it. But other than that, what stood out to you, and why did you want? Like, why was this a dream job? Why was this the AFL of real estate? I think it's just different. Like, real estate is so vanilla; mm. it really is. And this sounds bad. I don't generally like real estate agents. I don't generally like real estate. Okay, but this is just. The way, I guess, we structure ourselves and the way we market property, it is different. Yeah. Um, and that's all, I guess, through Mar- Marty Fox and Aidan Hathaway, who's the head of marketing here, the way they come together and, and get the strategy on, on what we want to do to, A, pitch for property yeah. in terms to list, and then, B, how we then sell it. So it's very hard to explain, but it, just the way we work and the yeah. way we market. But we just see ourselves as property marketers, so to speak. Yep. Not that sleazy salesman type. Yeah, sure. Which is a big generalisation because I've got a lot of friends in the industry. <laughs> and But you know, no, that, it, that, I, that's a generalisation the public have. For sure, which yeah. Which is unfair. Yeah, it's definitely something, like you say, the public had. We, we spoke before we started recording. My definition of marketing is helping people find solutions to problems. Yep. And I guess maybe people who don't know what marketing is... Yeah can have the perception that it's trying to sell you something that you don't actually need and trick you with gimmicks and things that, you know, ultimately end up really, really bad for both people, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. in yep. a world of social media where someone can get on and leave you a review exactly. in two minutes who maybe have, hasn't even, you know, used your product. Yep. Anyone can give you a review. Exactly. So you have to always be on. Yep. Um, and you should be anyway, really. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. So... Talk to me about what it's been like then. And I know we've sort of jumped off from the footy, but I yeah. think we've sort of touched on that. Yeah. But I, I do want to jump back because there's a little bit more to touch. Perfect. But with White Fox, how is the first, you're almost up, up to a year, I'd yeah. say, if you started yeah. July, August. We're yeah. in mid-June now, late yeah. June. Yeah. How's yeah. it been? How have you Insane. been? Yeah. Insane. Look, it, it's just a whirlwind here. Look, incredibly hard work, but so much fun is, is probably the easiest way to say it. Um you know, we have fun with what we do in terms of pitching for clients, yep. in terms of selling property, and we're very fortunate where we essentially just target the high-end and luxury real estate. So we see some incredible properties day in, day out, and then yep. get to meet some incredibly interesting, successful and different people. So yep. no two days are ever the same, but it's just the way we, I guess the way we work, we only deal with people who want to sell, you know, now, we, we don't chase people for three, four, five years hoping that they're going to sell. It's right. just people who want to sell now and people who want to buy now, and that's all we focus on. Interesting. And I guess the way we work in here is, is completely different. Like, I guess we look at property, we want to put the best deal together for the client, and we actually want to be friends with the client. So yeah. out of it, we want a relationship to grow. It's not just a churn and burn and a transaction for us. And yeah. I think that's something that's hit the nail on the head with me a lot. I, I love getting to know people, which is obviously what you do, why you do. Yeah. And I only want to deal with people who I get along with. I only want to deal with people who share the same interests as me yeah. and who have that same goal at that point for their property. And that's, I guess, I think why we are so successful and yeah. why we've been to cut through into that luxury market in three years. So White Fox is only three years old mm. and already they're a household name. 
Yeah, yeah it's it's good. So one thing that I've seen, I, I mentioned, I watched, I've watched a few YouTube videos where Marty speaks. Yeah. So one thing he said that he didn't do when he was a bit younger, but he does now, is slow to hire, yeah. fast to fire. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that was the case with you going yeah. through a bit of an intense period insane. over months. <laughs> yeah. Right. What's it like? And maybe what's one thing that you've learned that you might like to give advice to, say, someone starting in the industry 10 years younger than, than yourself? That you've learned yeah. since being here. Be yourself. Mm. Like seriously, th- there's so many people out there trying to emulate someone, mm. trying to you know you see this guy who you think is the best at what he does, and they try to be exactly like him. Right. In a field that we're in, in terms of where we have to connect with people, the easiest way is to just be yourself. Yeah. Because no matter what you do, not everyone's going to like you. But if you, I guess, if you're yourself, enough people mm. are going to connect with you, and you'll be able to get the job done. It's yeah. too hard to fake it. It's just way too hard. You'll, right. you'll come unstuck. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah. good advice. Mm. Like it, man. Got to take it on. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and and that's and that's advice I've been given as well. Yeah, sure. Not, not that I was anyone else, but no. people have said to me, "We like you because you you mm. you're not trying to be anyone else." And yeah. when you hear that, you know you're doing the right thing. Yeah, which is being genuine, authentic. Yeah. Like most yeah. people can see yeah. through. Yeah. If you're not like that, right? Yeah yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. So that's that's the best advice, and that's the advice I guess everyone here in the office. No one here in the office are the same. We're all completely different. Marty's wired on a completely different level to me. <laughs> He's a hundred mile an hour. I'm a little bit slower and cruisier. Then you've got Lana, who you know works with Marty, and and she essentially just runs this office incredibly, incredibly well. Very talented. You got Shane in here, who's sixty-five and looks like he's forty. Like he's <laughs> as fit as anything, but he's like he's like the dad in here. Yeah. So everyone is different, which is a good thing. But everyone's himself. That's great. How do you learn things and think things through? You mentioned before the day after you did your ACL, you spent all day yeah. at work, not working, researching yeah. <laughs> how to come back from this thing. Yeah. Like, how do you think through problems? How do yeah. you? How do you? How, like, how are you? Why do you feel? Yeah. I think I'm quite analytical. I love looking at numbers yeah. and looking at how things stack up. And then I guess, you know, I had this yesterday. We, we closed a deal in Mainridge for $6.5 million, which was insane. Nice one. But it was, it was 10 days in the making of how do we play this. Right. There were so many different crossroads in terms of, I guess, different ways we could have gone with it in the negotiation. But it's just sitting back, discussing with people here in the office, getting different opinions... And just working out, I guess, the best way to work through, like you said, to work through that problem. So I'm, I'm someone who's very slow to make a decision, okay. um, whereas other people might be really quick. But I'm slow. I want to know what different scenarios are yeah. out of the potential decision we make so that you can then continue to plan moving forward. Nice. Where do you think that came from? Were your parents like that or have you developed that over years? Do you think? I just think... yeah. That's a tough one. That's a very good question. I, I think I've developed it. Um, I guess that's that, that's something that's that, that I am like. I've always been quite slow and deliberate in my decision making. Yep. You obviously make rash decisions here and there, which sure. sometimes are good, sometimes <laughs> are bad. Right. But yeah, no. I'm, my my dad is a very very good grounding board for me, and so is my mum. I, I call them on a lot of problems that I might have. They give very good advice, but very grounded advice. And I think I just take it from them that, you know, each decision has a consequence in, in what you do. So be sure of your decision and back it through. Yeah. That's interesting. So I 
have had some interesting things crop up in the past few days for me on a personal level, yep. which I won't necessarily go into <laughs> on my podcast because I definitely, same as you, yeah. don't necessarily want it to be about me. Yeah. But um, it was on Sunday and um, I called my mum, the first person I called. Um, she didn't answer and we spoke the next day and she felt quite bad. But it's interesting that you bring up the fact that at 29 you still yeah. you call your folks asking yeah. them. Because one of the things that I wanted to do when starting this podcast is with everyday people. Yeah. You know, I, I spoke to top performers, uh, not spoke to, sorry, I listened to podcasts with, with top performers yeah. and the advice that they were giving was sort of like, don't worry, everything will be all right, just keep on going. Mm-hmm. But I was mm-hmm. like, well, what if I asked my dad that? Mm-hmm. You know, I love my dad. He's a successful guy, you know, he's raised five kids, mm-hmm. ripper dude. But he, in a similar vein to you, he played for St Kilda in the VFL, didn't quite didn't quite make the VFL rather, so like played reserves back in the 80s and I wondered if he would have the same advice around, say, making elite-level football or, or doing those sorts of things. So for you, do you think there will ever be a time where maybe you stop asking your folks or yeah. stop asking people? No way. I'm a bit different. If mum or dad don't answer, I'll call them again. <laughs> I'll text them and just say, why aren't you calling me back? Like, legit, if I want to speak to them... Yeah, they, they better speak to it's me. Good. Well, my mum said you should have texted yeah, me. I was like, well, exactly. fuck, always, I was a bit upset. So, so I was say, what are you doing? <laughs> call me, call me. Now, look, yeah. what, look, I'm I'm very good mates with my dad, and, yeah. and I love that I'm good mates with my dad, and I see my mum as a very good friend too. So we're very close. So mm. I can joke with them, and if they don't call me, I'll crack the shits and tell them <laughs> I'm pissed off they haven't called me. But sure. no, always. I think always, and I'm glad I've got the re- that relationship with my parents. A lot of people don't. So the fact that I continue to call them, um, ask for their advice, or just get stuff off my chest. Yeah. Parents are the best listeners. Yeah. So, no, I'll, I'll always call them. Yeah. Mm. Nice one, mate. Mm. So um, I want to jump back to your your comeback game. Yep. We sort of deviated there, but I think yep. it was a, a decent segue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you came back 62 days after sort of the June or Queen's yeah, birthday game. Yeah, yeah. That was the last round of footy for the sort of home and away season. It was, yeah. So can you just talk me through the period leading up to the grand final yeah. that you ended up playing so in that year? Coincidentally, that game was against the same team. It was against the Pines. Okay. It was the last round of the year. Yeah. Um, we announced it, so no one knew as well until, so we announced it on the Thursday night. Oh, that you were playing? Yeah, that I was playing. Wow. So obviously the team knew, but I had to get, like that, that week was the first full week of training with the team that I've done, like the full contact staff, yeah. start to finish training. So oh. I was cutting it so fine. Was I right to play? I think I was. But <laughs> as a coach, you always go, well, he's done a lot of rehab work, but he's only trained two sessions properly. Yeah. So yeah. it's a big risk. And you must be good at footy if they're <laughs> throwing you in after two <laughs> sessions. Maybe they felt sorry that I've done all this work that I had to play. Yeah, yeah. Now, there was a moment on the Thursday night training where I was able to take a contested mark and, and turn quite sharply and be able to play on a kick. And I just remember Luke Tap Luke Tapscott, who is the coach now, yeah. playing coach again, just said to me, he goes, I was really unsure until I saw you do that. And he said, when I saw you do that, you're fine. No dramas. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't expected to come in and star at all. I was just expected to come in, play my role, which is different for me yeah i'm the type of player who wants to go in and be best on ground every week but sure now that mindset's changed because i don't have that ability in my body potentially anymore sure but just coming to that game the emotions of a getting picked thursday night where i was it's almost in tears to think geez i've done it but then to pull yourself back and say well no you haven't done anything yet you still haven't played we're still going to get there and play 
So, you know, we, we get to the game. People still were a bit weird about me playing in terms of opposition, in terms of all that, but got through completely fine. Um, played quite well in the first half, ran out of gas in the second half. I, was, yeah. I wasn't match fit at all. Sure. So, and that's one thing looking back. I think you're right. You, you did all this rehab work, but your fitness... You, you couldn't compensate to get your fitness back to the level. And sure. that's, that's I guess, the, the trade-off of doing what I did. Yeah, we, th- we, we won that and ended up finishing on top. So we won that game, finished on top of the ladder, which gave us a week off yep. in the first week of finals. So I just used that, those next two weeks as almost a mini pre-season to try and get my fitness back. We then played the first semi-final against Dramana, uh, which, is quite, which is a local rival as well. Um, much more confident I was then. Um, had a few instances where my knee could have been hurt, but wasn't. Yep. So that also gave me a lot of confidence. We won that game by sixty points, like comfortably, comfortably. I once again, played a good first half, but ran out of gas in the second half. So yep. common theme coming here. <laughs> and you know, so we win and then get another week off leading into the grand final. So effectively heading into that grand final, I'd had five or six weeks of training and two games. Right. So. Fitness was fine, body was fine, and we were in a very strong position. Dramana ended up winning the prelim final and getting into the grand final, which was a huge deal because Sorrento and Dramana have had a rivalry for, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven years. Yeah. And they were the team that beat us by eighty-three points my first year back. Oh wow. So to play them was awesome, awesome lead up. Yeah. But it was one of those games where we were we were raging favourites. Yeah. Like no one gave Dramana a chance. At all, we go into the game. It's pissing with rain. Horrible day, and we just get absolutely outplayed. Wow. Completely outplayed. I think we lost by seven points in the end. I, I, I watched the end of the game for the first time today in preparation for this. Oh wow! Because I thought we lost by three points. Actually, lost by seven points. And yep. no good. I hurt my knee in that as I well. I saw you kick yeah. the second goal of the game, right? Good goal, yeah, yeah, but yeah, good it sort goal. of got pushed just before got you pushed and yeah. hyper extended. No, like there was no issues. I was able to come back on. I was shaken. Okay. Yeah, but. It wasn't sore. Wow. I, I thought I might have done something more. I bet. But completely fine. Yeah, because yeah, it's like you limp off. Yeah. yeah this footage yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. wow. So it was, like, it was a hyperextension because I don't have an ACL. It was just more of a hyperextension, bit of bone on bone, and that's what caused the pain. And it blew up. After, not, not during the game, but after, after the game it blew up. Yeah. But that, you know, I wasn't the same player that game after that happened, purely because sure. what was going through my mind. So... That sucked, and that was that's been really hard to deal with over the last six to eight months. Yeah, you know, thinking back to the last game I played, we lost another grand final, so two grand finals in a row. So we lost another grand final, but this one we were red hot favourites. Yeah, and potentially me doing that did that cause us potentially to lose? Mm. That's a silly thing to say, sure. but that's what you think of when you lose. You, you you blame yourself, and there was an instance in that game where I can visibly blame myself. Right. But that's just something you deal with. You know, it's a team sport. Everyone picks you up. It's fine. But then to get to this year, I was flying through the preseason. Knee was completely fine, and now we're not even playing. Yeah, which is sad in itself. It is. Well, yeah. similar with me yeah. in that I've been fit for the first time really since yeah. like twenty fourteen. I've yeah. had niggles since twenty fifteen. Yeah, and yeah, no, no season. I know, but which is sad. I think yeah. Saturday morning we were definitely playing. Like just gone. Oh and really? Then, yeah. So we were on. We were due to start the twenty fifth of July. For, off. Yeah. yeah right. For, for a nine game one. season. Yeah. Wow. And then when Dan Andrews obviously brought back the restrictions. Yeah. There hasn't been an announcement whether we're playing or not, but it's looking more and more unlikely. unlikely. I guess when the podcast comes out, we'll know. Yeah. Yeah. For <laughs> sure. It's either going to be round one or we're not playing. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. brutal. Yeah. So you ended up, yeah, like you say, you lost that grand final. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. But the knee is all right now. So Completely incredible. Fine. Yeah, yeah. So I had my first drink after that game in three months and wow. I think we drank for two or three days, <laughs> as you do after a season. Yeah. And it blew up real bad, real yeah. bad. But went and got scans and no damage whatsoever. It was yeah. literally just the action, which... Just lots of pure it. blonde, yeah, lots of alcohol exactly, in the knee. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, now look, it's, it's completely fine. I didn't do much until Christmas. Until, like, I, I was in the gym and slowly running, but didn't do much footy work. And then after Christmas, just went hell for leather. And, yeah, it actually, look, I don't joke when I say this. It, I do not notice it at all. Yeah. The only time I notice it was people ask me how my knee is. And that's what brings me up. I think, oh, shit, I did my ACL last year. Yeah, right. So completely fine. Well, I'll be sure if we ever, you know, catch up again in the future, <laughs> not to ask you. <laughs> no, you can ask me all you want. Yeah, how, how is it? How is it? Oh, Who knows? I might have arthritis in five years, <laughs> and it could be cool. Well, that was sort of going to be my next question. Touching mm. on mm. the future, you're 29. How yep. long do you want to play for? How long do you see yourself? Playing I think for? that changes every year. Um, I was under the impression after what I'd done last year, if we had have won, that would have been it. I would right. have called it quits. We lost, which then gives a motivation to play again. Yeah. And I was going into this year thinking this will be it. Win, lose or draw, I don't want to jeopardise my body anymore. Mm-hmm. We'll just play the season out. If it's a fairy tale and it's meant to be, great. If it's not, it's not meant to be. Yeah. But I think the biggest bonus for me and a lot of guys probably my age who are thinking about whether they continue playing sport or, or not yeah. is the fact that we haven't played. So, you know, you get in this big routine throughout winter, which is very boring in Melbourne, as we all know. It's cold, it's wet, there's nothing to do. And especially down in Sorrento, it's even worse. To not have that, I guess, mateship of, especially during ISO when no one could train together, you couldn't see everyone. You know, I think we're very fortunate as people playing team sports that we get to see our best mates two, three, four times a week without organising anything. Totally. You turn up to training twice a week. You play on a Saturday and you generally either go get dinner or have a few beers that night. And potentially Sunday you might go do some recovery. So you you see mates so much. Yeah. Helps, right? Mental health. Huge, huge amount. And not being able to do that hasn't affected me as such. It's just changed my outlook to think, why wouldn't I just keep playing until I can't play anymore? Yeah. Because the minute that's gone, you don't just automatically replace that. I found it so hard to get on the phone and organise to catch up with people. Right. Really, because I've been so used to for 15 years yeah, yeah. just turning up at the footy club where all my best mates are three, yeah. four days a week and you see everyone. So it's been really, it's, it's almost like a change in life and I just think if I stop playing, I'm not going to be as happy as I am when I was playing and you see you, you see your mates. Yeah, so to answer the quick long-winded answer, but I think I'll just, just keep playing until I A, cannot play to the level I want to anymore there's the answer. Yeah, I'll just yeah. keep playing. Like it. Mm. Mm. I'll um I'll show you this guy after the podcast. Yeah. But there's a bloke on Instagram. He's called the knees over toes guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, he's in the states and yeah. he helps basketballers with knee injuries. Yeah. Really, really good dude. Yeah. I feel like I should mention it on here because yeah, yeah. I'm I actually subscribe. Not that this is paid or anything. <laughs> I would never accept money for a fucking plug on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. But he just helps people like. Bulletproof their knees, essentially. Yeah, so yeah. could be an interesting thing. Yeah, and I'm there's looking at anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you've clearly looked at some stuff, and yeah. and 
found it successful. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll put that in the show notes as well if Definitely. anyone's listening and, and wants some help. But I'll be sure to follow up and maybe find that article on the Premier League footballer who yeah. goes unnamed because, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure it would help a lot of people yeah. listening to this. And that's what I found a lot. Like, when, when the first article came out and, you know, people take the piss out of me this out of me for this as well, but when that first article came out, I would have had 20 to 30 people reach out to me on Facebook Messenger, Instagram. Yeah. And more, not not to say, you know, well done, it was more, I'm in a similar situation, do you have any advice, can you point me in the right direction? That's something I didn't anticipate. Wow. And to be able to, I guess, potentially help people, point them in the right direction, tell them to go see the physio that I saw, or whatever it was, or, or just give them some confidence that it can be done, was 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 highly motivating to the fact that I didn't think anything would come from it. So yeah. just to be able to help people... And I'm not an expert. I really, you know, what I did, the next person can't do because their body's going to be different. They're going to have to do it a different way. But just to give the confidence that you can do something that's probably out of the ordinary or that people are saying you can't do, and then for people to reach out to you, was, yeah, it was quite moving. Yeah, I bet. Mm. That's awesome, mate. Mm. You've, you've spoken about motivation a few times. Yep. So when you, you know, failed in the grand final and, and didn't get over the line, you mentioned that, you know, it was motivation to get back and win it with your brother. Yep. I think came back in 2018, was yeah, it? Yeah, that was so his yeah, first yeah, yeah. His first year back was 2018, yeah. Right. Yep. So there's motivation there through failure, but then there's yep. also motivation through succeeding and getting, you know, back yep. and people reaching out and that's motivating. You mentioned before, you know, you've recently did, I think it was a $6.5 million property. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yep. um, that's yep. not, not something you do every day. Oh, no. <laughs> Pretty big. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. So you've got there like, big positives and yep. also negatives yep. that are both motivating you. Yep. Do you find that a negative or a positive motivates you, like one or the other motivates you more, or is it just a reflection of who you feel you are and maybe can you talk to why you think that is? It's a tough one. Um, so Monday just gone was one of my hardest days of real estate ever. Yep. I'd sold a house for very, very good friends of mine down in Sorrento which was, this is not going to mean a lot to a lot of people, but essentially short story, it was due to settle, it didn't settle, and it's going to cause them a lot of hardship. Yep. And I spent most of that day completely rattled, absolutely completely rattled. Then you float to the next day and we sell a $6.5 million house after you know 10 days of negotiation. The ups and downs in what, I guess, most real estate agents or most people in life have, I guess, makes, the, the bad makes the good. So if you don't go through the shit, so to speak, the good isn't as good. And mm. that's what I keep telling myself, especially when I have bad moments, as everyone does. I just keep thinking, well, the sun will come up and the good is around the corner. And if you don't have really bad moments, you're not going to have really good moments, if that makes sense. You know, sure, the man. really bad make the really good even better. And you know, I have to take that advice all the time, as, as, as recent as two days ago. You know, really, really, really bad day. That then the next day something good happens. So, yeah, that's that's sort of something I try and live by throughout life. You have bad, you have good, and that's the way I want it too. I always want bad, and I always want good. Love it. No, I, I completely resonate with that, and I appreciate yeah where where you're coming from. So perfect. I hope uh, people listening, I'm sure they will. Yeah, will yeah. Enjoy that. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least your mates will take the piss out of yeah, you either yeah, way. So. Why not? Just more. <laughs> no, no, that's awesome, mate. So, got a couple of questions, but I really appreciate your time. Yeah, keep inviting me yeah, in. Yeah, as long as you want. No stress. No, no, for sure. So, 
I touched on it before, but a reason I started this podcast was because I found the advice of the the living legends, the the top athletes, the top business people to maybe not be applicable. And I say maybe because I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm uh, you know a freelance podcaster. I don't do this for any any money, any recognition. It's just a hobby of mine. But I am enjoying being invited, essentially, or inviting myself somewhat yeah, yeah. into into people's lives and having conversations that maybe I wouldn't get to have. Yeah. But one of the questions in those podcasts that was a theme was, what advice would you give to say your thirty year old self? And this mm-hmm. was maybe being asked to people who were you know mid fifties, yeah. late sixties. You're obviously not at thirty yet. Yeah. But I like to reverse it when I'm talking to someone who's maybe a bit younger. Mm-hmm. What advice would you like to give to your 59-year-old self, if you could? And it's interesting because a big podcast that I love, well, it's not massive actually, but it probably is. Big podcast, we'll go with that. Yeah. Uh, it's called The Long and the Short of It. And the podcast literally came out last night. It's called Future Self. Yeah. And it talks about this idea of giving your future self a message and almost thanking them for it. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a question I've asked just about every guest and I like to you know, end the, the episode yeah. on this question. Yeah. But that idea of the future self, you're thanking yourself for the work you're about to do. And it can be over a one year period, a three week period, a three month period rather, say if you, you know, coming yeah. back from an ACL. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if you probably didn't do that. You're just like, this is what I've got to do. So let's go do it. And that's a long way of asking, but what yeah. would you like to say to you, yourself or what would your advice be to your 59-year-old self if you could yeah. project three decades in the future? Yeah, right. It's a tough one. Let's you hope the pandemic's yeah. over in 2050. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. There'll probably be a new one. <laughs> I think you can answer that in a lot of ways. Um, what immediately springs to mind is always have a goal that you're chasing. Um, I found, you know, we, we touched on them both. I had two goals. One was to get a job at White Fox. One was to get back from an ACL and play footy. They were two goals I achieved because I wanted them so much. And I think for that future self, you've just got to keep chasing something and continually moving the goalposts for yourself. Um, It's a really hard thing to do to just get out of bed and do the same thing every day and just roll through the motions because then you'll get to 59, 60 and you'll regret everything you've done. If you can have small little goals that you keep chasing that no one else has to know about, it can just be yourself that knows about them, it'll help you to achieve more. And whether you actually ultimately hit the goal or not, looking back on the process, um, I guess, will will be the fun part. And that's what I've loved looking back at. Even though I had these big goals, mm. I, I learnt from the process of, of you know, being able to potentially achieve them, of which I did. And I guess don't leave any stone unturned. You know, I think back to trying to make it in the AFL and there's definitely things I could have done better. And then, you know, with my ACL, I didn't leave a stone unturned. So that's something that I've learned to just chase chase the goal, follow your gut and do not leave anything unturned. And I think life then has a way of providing you with what you want. You see, it's almost like, I guess, trusting that that path you're on mm. is going to take you to where you want to be. Beautiful. Really weird way to answer it, but no, no. <laughs> that's what's in my head. I love it. Yeah. That's a great answer, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Thank you. What do, what do the goalposts look like for you now then? Like you you got over that knee yeah. injury, yeah. you're yeah. here, we're in the White Fox office. Yeah, absolutely. What's, where are the goalposts for Fun- James Sutherland? Funny you ask this. On Monday, just gone in our you know, normal Monday meeting, Marty 
had the same thing. He wanted to know what everyone's goals in the office were for, for I guess, this year. So for 2020, 2021, yep. what are your goals? They don't have to be work, but just what are they? And just trying to think back to what I answered, it's, I guess it, it's growing in this business to the point where we have a very, very strong peninsula present, presence, yep. which is obviously where I'm from. So the reason I moved here was I knew so many people on the peninsula but then could cross-pollinate that with people who own property in Melbourne. So we just want that really strong luxury presence on the peninsula. That's yep. goal number one. Um, goal number two is to win a premiership if we play. Yep. So if we don't play, that's where that goalpost will move. It's, it's to win a premiership the following year. Sure. It's to be able to help that football club stay together because that's going to be a big thing. If we don't play, you're going to have players that just drift off and don't, don't play next year. Sure. Um, and to buy a house. There's another one. Like, I don't own a house. Yep. I'd, I'd love to, by the end of this year, mid-next year, purchase a house, wherever or whatever it may be. They're sort of, the, I guess, the three goals for my future self in the next 12 months. Beauty. There you go, James Hallahan. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. It's been a really good conversation, mate. Yeah. We're mates now. Yeah. <laughs> Legend. Shout <laughs> a beer. Shout yeah. a few. Beautiful. Legend. We'll leave it there. Cheers. Thank you. So there you have it, episode 53 with James Hallahan. Thanks again so much, James. It was a great one listening back to that, listening about how you deal with negativity and sort of touching on that nothing is really ever as bad as it seems. I think it's really you know, good to reflect on that, especially at the moment, midway through 2020, which undoubtedly has been a tough year for many. But if we can overcome this, guys, we can literally overcome anything. So, yeah, thanks again. If anyone would like to get in touch with James, please feel free to do so. The contact details for him are in the show notes as well as a lot of the things we touched on. So yeah, please do that. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to share it with a friend, share it on your socials, take a screenshot, however you'd like to do it would mean the world. Getting it out to more and more people, you know, organically is how I want this podcast to grow. So would mean a lot if you'd like to subscribe leave a rating that would also be absolutely ace and yeah until next time all the very best